Hey, everybody. Nathan King here with the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody of our promo we have running right now with our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. You guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and new customers can get 15% off their first purchase with the code Auburn Undercover. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, all caps. If you guys don't know, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know what Home Field Apparel is, it's a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. It's incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs, including a lot of really, really cool Auburn stuff. You guys know better than anybody that Auburn's got some really cool old logos and designs from back in the glory days. And so they've taken advantage of that and gone back, made some really creative sweatshirts and T-shirts and even some joggers. You guys go check it out, Home Field Apparel. Com. They just launched a new Auburn shirt on October 9th that's honoring Auburn's first national championship season back in 1957. What they did was, and Homefield goes back and they dig through all kinds of old archives in order to find the coolest designs they can, they can get their hands on. They went back and found a postcard that was from that 1957 team that Auburn sent out and has a picture of an old obby holding up the Associated Press 1957 National Championship trophy. So if that sounds cool to you, you guys can go to homefieldapparel.com and get that on a t-shirt and you can get 15% off that purchase if it's your first purchase. Again, the code is Auburn Undercover, all one word. That's Auburn Undercover, all one word, homefieldapparel.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here by Jason Caldwell. A little bit of a reaction slash look ahead. We're going to overview Auburn's win over Ole Miss, kind of put a bow on that important victory for the Tigers over the weekend, 31-20 inside Jordan-Hare Stadium. And also talk a little bit about what Brian Harson had to say today at his press conference on Monday. And so, Jason, because this is our first time getting together and, and doing the podcast since that game, um, you know, we we knew the gravity of it. We knew that you know this this started to have a little bit more implications. It's getting to that time of the year. Um, you know, it was a couple of days before November started. This is the crucial part of the season. But we'll look ahead to the rest of the SEC schedule for Auburn later. But this was a huge game, and I think Auburn did it in a way where you know, like. Saying a tale of two halves is very is very stereotypical, but really the offense clicked, scored four touchdowns in the first half, then kind of passed the baton to the defense that only allowed three points in the second half against probably the best offense Auburn has faced all year long, even with some injuries, even with Matt Corral a little a little hobbled. Yeah, um, you know it's funny. <laughs> He was a little hobbled for just a second, and uh, right. hobbled. He uh, he ran pretty good there for a little while, but yeah, it was right. It was an important game. It was. Um, you look at, at the way this Auburn team played, and you know everybody kind of talks about the second half, and, and you know you go and you have a you know missed field goal in the first drive, you have a fumble punt, then you have a Kobe Hudson fumble a little bit later. You really had three empty possessions. The, most of the other possessions, they were backed up. Um, did not a lot of field position in that second half for, for that Auburn offense, and it's kind of been that way most of the year. They haven't had many many drives start on the other side of the 50, which is normally what it takes to score a lot of points. Uh, but, um, you know, it was, it was a complete effort, even though it wasn't a 60-minute game from either the offense or defense. But both sides had to pull their weight. Special teams had to pull their weight with Oscar Chapman punting the ball really well. 
to set up some of that field position. Defense, you know, some three and outs, but mainly a ton of really important stops, third and fourth down stops. They did a great job against a team that they knew that was going to go forward on fourth down. And then um, when they had to in the red zone, um, you know, they stepped up and, and made plays. And in the end, that's the ultimate goal for a defense. Um, if you don't give up a bunch of plays and you're pretty good in the red zone, then you're going to have a chance to, to win a lot of football games. And, and that's kind of what this defense has morphed into, you know, the last few weeks. Um, but offensively, um, once again, uh, Bo Nix looked in complete control of that offense. And we saw the running game get going early for the first time in a while. Um, you know, Tank Bigsby in the first quarter, 10 carries for 70 yards. You know, they got that running game clicking a little bit. Um, and you could see, I think, everybody – a little bit fresher um, uh, offensive line-wise. You get Austin Troxel back up, and he was moving around well. Um, I thought that offensive line group had more energy, more, you know, explosiveness to them as well and getting off the ball some. Um, and that's an old Miss defense has gotten better. Um, you know, they're improved over what they were. But, you know, um, all in all, um, you do what you had to do. Um, you're at home, um, you beat a top-10 team, and – now you've kept that door open to control your own destiny. And, you know, if you're Auburn eight games in, uh, new offense, new defense, new coaching staff, that's uh, that's pretty pretty strong to, to still be in that spot. And I thought, you know, you just said coaching staff. I think kind of an underrated aspect of this game might be the coaching job done by Brian Harson. whether it was really smartly used timeouts. He had a timeout before um, Tank Bigsby scored on third and goal. He had a timeout before a fourth and seven um, that Ole Miss went for it. I believe that was in the third quarter. That was in the second mm-hmm. half. It was. It was. That was the play where Colby Wooden pushed through right at the pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we had talked about before the game leading up all week how the fourth downs were going to be really important. I don't know if we foresaw, and you and I talked about it earlier today, I don't know if we foresaw Lane Kiffin going for it that much in those kinds of situations where taking points would have maybe set him up for a little bit more success down the road, but still you mentioned it earlier, kind of bend don't break. This is becoming very reflective of what we were used to in the, the very best Kevin Steele defenses where, yeah, you can go get your yardage, I guess, you know, do whatever you want to do in between the field, cross midfield, whatever. But as you start getting close to Auburn's end zone, the defense starts to tighten up. Um, and they just made plays wherever they could, whether it was a defensive lineman, Jacoby McLean had a heck of a game. Jalen Simpson has the interception. This is a group where I understand that a lot of it was situational based on what Ole Miss was doing, but if they can get, you look at their past few games in the SEC and their wins, how they've played in the second half, if they can translate that to an entire game, um, this is a really dangerous defense. It certainly emerged over the past few games as one of the better units in the SEC. It has, and and. You know, you look at it, um, you know, no Romello Height, no Caleb Johnson, two guys that have become pretty key performers for this team. And, you know, after listening to Brian Harson on Monday, uh, doesn't sound like anytime soon uh, that we'll see those guys again. But the flip side of that is you got T.D. Moultrie back. T.D. looked like he didn't have a whole lot of rust um, after not playing in, in about a month or so. Uh, he came off the – got off the ball good. Having him back – as that third option at that edge position where they're playing two guys, really important. Um, so, yeah, you're right. This defense, um, the secondary group is starting to – you see kind of passing guys off and, and a lot more in sync of what they're doing in that secondary. We saw early in the year a lot of busts, a lot of things. 
I don't think they were necessarily bust against Ole Miss. We saw, you know, the tight end, you know, they're saying, okay, we'll give you that six or seven yard catch a couple of times. We're not going to let you have the 67 yard catch. That's what this team has not done is, is not giving up big plays. Matt Corral, first time in 19 games, he didn't have a touchdown pass. Ole Miss, the first time, and they're telling how long they didn't have a 10 yard run, um, which is pretty amazing considering that running game that Auburn was able to make them. Look, look, we're going to make you drive it eight, nine, 10, 12 plays and score touchdowns. That's hard to do for most offenses. And that's what this team has, has done. And then on the flip side, Auburn, you know, they didn't have the the huge explosive play on offense, but they had some good chunk yardage plays, you know, um, you know whether it was, you know, Demetrius Robertson down the sidelines, whether it was, you know, Tyler Fromm, big play, Tank Biggs with a couple of runs. They had some some plays to, to to kind of get down the field a little bit, but all in all, yeah, you're right. Um, when you look at this defense, it looks like that they're finding a little bit more rhythm. And, and people think about that on offense, but it happens on defense too. Derek Mason's kind of figuring out, hey, what do my guys do best? In in what situation do they do it the best? And I thought really the only the only struggles that Auburn had was because Ole Miss was simply going so fast at times that Auburn didn't get lined up. When they got lined up, they were fine. And, you know, they're, they're in, you know, this this week um, won't be an issue against Texas A&M. Uh, they're not going to be a team that's going to go lightning fast. And so, um, but a different, much different style of play when you talk about from one week to the next. It's about – it's uh, it's hard, even though Ole Miss runs the football. Um, it's a much different type of running game that Auburn will face this week. Yeah, I mean, even separate from those plays down close to the goal line, the so they, so they came up with four red zone stops, I guess, in the second half alone, which is crazy. Turn turn Ole Miss down cold with three fourth down turnover on downs, and then Jalen Simpson gets the pick. Um, you're right. Even other than that, there were a lot of spots where they still had a pretty good game. I, I believe it took. 51 or 52 plays for Ole Miss to have a play running or passing to go 20 yards or more. It's pretty good for a really explosive offense. Um, and then you have to go all the way back to the beginning of Lane Kiffin's final season at FAU. The last time they scored this few points this is the lowest point total for a Lane Kiffin offense in 30 games. Um, so not insignificant. I, you know, we're going to focus a lot on what they did on third and fourth downs on the really important plays, but just overall, like you said, Derek Mason's group kind of getting into a rhythm um, speaking of rhythm, Bo Nix, another game now. He's he's kind of put back-to-back games together. He was obviously great in that Arkansas game. No turnovers in this game. Three total touchdowns, all of which came in the first half. But so much of that, and you mentioned it earlier, is a product of what he's got going on around him because uh, the pass protection only allowed two pressures this game after not a single pressure um, in the previous game. And I was going back and watching some of the highlights just because – and. Um, you know, Ole Miss came in with the number one sack defense in the SEC, I think. And some of the plays Bo Nix was making, the protection was just all there. It was what mm-hmm. you see out of the best quarterbacks in the country because they have such a great offensive line. Those those chunk plays you talked about to Demetrius Robertson, there were a couple to Kobe Hudson. Um, against a really good pass rush, he had a completely clean front. And we we could we were we're starting to see what he's capable of doing when that's the case. Yeah, and so much of it starts with with that ability to run the football, um, avoiding third and long situations. When you can run the football and throw it on first down um, because you've got a first down or two, and you look at his first down passing numbers and they're they're off the charts. Um, that's that's what that's how you dictate 
um, not necessarily tempo, but you dictate what a defense can do if you have the ability to run the football and have success on first down. That's what Auburn was able to do. And you see the difference in that. You know, when you get in third and long, uh, I think one of the few times Auburn got in third and long was was a sack situation, um, Sam Williams. I, you know, most of the time, Auburn, you know, they didn't get a ton of third downs. They were first and second down converting, moving on. Um, but, yeah, the offensive line's gotten better. You, you just see a quarterback that is becoming more and more comfortable with this system every day. Um, and, and, you know, people think, you know, you think about Arkansas and you go, well, you know, these last couple of games, you know, people need to remember back to Georgia. That's by far and away the best defense in the country this year. If Auburn doesn't drop, hey, let's give them half of them. There was probably easily seven or eight game drop. If you catch four of those balls – you're probably at another 50 yards. He's he's closing on you know 300 yards passing against Georgia, um, which for, is going to be unheard of this year unless somebody steps up late. Maybe Bryce Young and that Alabama team could do it, but played really well against Georgia. Um, obviously LSU um, because of the pressure is a crazy place, but it, it's been now a month or so of of continued improvement for Bo. Completion percentages is is coming up because guys are understanding. Okay, where do I need to be uh, here? And he's understanding. Okay, if I have a check down, check down here. And I mean, I think running backs and tight ends was ten or eleven catches for right around hundred yards Saturday. Those are big deal plays against good football teams because again, that's where you go from second nine to to third and two instead of second nine. All of a sudden. Nowhere to go, nowhere to throw it. Third and nine, you're 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 dead in the water. Um, you know they're, they're now much more capable of of extending drives, and when you extend drives, then you give yourself ability to to make one of those chunk plays. Um, it's just hard to do on third and long, and that's where we've seen them the last few years. Um, they've been able to avoid those the last few weeks. Yeah, I tend to think. Bryce Young will, will will do it and have a good performance. It seems like Alabama is always the team that. I think it's of how good Georgia is. We'll you got to be able to throw it. You got to be able to throw it. I mean, we've seen Georgia. You got to be able to throw the football to have yeah. success against them. Auburn had the, I think, the formula. That goes back to mm-hmm. it goes back to something that that you, you've written. You've talked. We've talked about the job that Mike Bobo's done with this offense. Um, you know, you, you know, and I, I mentioned it. I think on a podcast before, I didn't I hadn't ever written anything about it, but I talked to a couple of people in the program and they said, even back to Penn State, even back to that situation, obviously the the fade notwithstanding, there were a couple of plays earlier in the game where one uh, Demetrius Robertson turns the wrong way on a ball thrown uh, down the field that, that could have been a touchdown. One, there was uh, a, a play where there was a blown assignment um, that led to a sack, um, but that they had a guy wide open if they just pick up a blitz or it's a touchdown. Those are plays that if you execute them, those plays were worked and, and could have been big plays. We're seeing these guys execute more of those plays now. And, you know, when, when it doesn't work, it's always the fault of the guy calling the play. Um, but, you know, hey, when, when it works, you, you need to give them a little bit of love too. I think Mike Bobo's done a really good job. Yeah, and something – Along that, that similar line, I think is like you talked about Bonix's running ability being big, not only in staying ahead of the chains, and we'll talk about the running game for Auburn just overall kind of picking up against Ole Miss, but in the red zone now, three touchdowns for Bonix with his legs in the past four games. 
He had two red zone touchdowns against Ole Miss. We saw that element of him when it was a Gus Malzahn controlled offense, just because he's a great athlete. When you get into that kind of spot on the field, he's able to make plays, Um, but they're calling plays for him now. I thought the quarterback run the draw with uh, deal and Austin Troxel pulling around the left was a beautiful play design. Um, And then you had to play to Jarquez Hunter and Brian Harson today on his Monday press conference. He called that two minute drive. It started with two and a half minutes left, 233. Bo Nix had 47 yards passing on the drive. Auburn had four or five first downs. They spiked it. They bring Jarquez Hunter in motion. He sets up like he's going to block. Then he flares out by the time the linebackers realize it's an easy touchdown. Um, that's a coordinator getting into a rhythm, and that's a coordinator kind of figuring out what he's, going on, what he's got going on. But what Brian Harson said today was, look, it just takes some time sometimes. Like you said, on the, for the defense and Derek Mason, um, you know, Parsons has been a play caller before. He knows sometimes it just takes a while to figure out what the kind of guys you've got and who you're, who you're working with in terms of personnel. Harson's exact wording was sometimes you just have to figure out who's going to perform for you in a game. And sometimes it takes multiple, multiple weeks, sometimes into conference play to figure that out. It seems like Auburn's got that down now, especially with Bo Nix making a lot of plays in the red zone. Yeah. And I think it's been uh, confidence, uh, comfort. I mean, you know, hey, Shetra Jackson and, and, and Demetrius Robertson look like different guys than they did a few weeks ago. I mean, those guys are looking like the guys that earned those starting roles. Um, playing extremely well. Kobe Hudson's a guy that's, that's stepped up and has, has been the most consistent of those pass catchers. Um, he, he just goes out and makes a play, uh, can make guys miss. Um, yeah, but you, you look and this the situational play calling, it comes back to that, the ability of Bo to run the football, to use his legs. When you can run it, when the quarterback's a threat, and all of a sudden, hey, you throw the ball to 10 different wide receivers, then a defense is at your mercy. If you if you make the right decision, then there's going to be plays to be made. Um, and, you know, as long as you get protection, you execute up front, those kind of things – the defense doesn't have many answers um, if you make the right decision. And, and, you know, they've been making more and more of those right decisions in the last few weeks. But, yeah, you can't you can't lean on the running game right now. Um, that's what we saw earlier in the year. They're like, hey, go, we're going to make you throw it and beat us and uh, put a lot of pressure on, on those wide receivers. They seem like they're now got some confidence built. And now defense cannot go, hey, we're going to put eight or nine guys in the box. Um, that That's the death sentence. And – now you're able to open up that running game a little bit more. You know, after Texas a and you got to respect Auburn's ability to throw the football more than you did when you watched that film four weeks ago. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of people today talk about, you know, how much it kind of fizzled out in the second half on offense. That's it's a bit of a fair point, but at the same time, like we talked about before, um, if you take away the very last drive where Auburn was in Ole Miss territory and just kneeling the ball down, even if you take that away, Auburn was in, entered across midfield, whatever you want to call it, um, three out of five times on five drives in the second half. You had a missed field goal. You had a drive where, honestly, I, I thought they were going to score a touchdown before Kobe Hudson fumbled. They were just, it was like mm-hmm. two or three first downs. They were clicking yes. along. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, if that's 10 points in the second half and you win this game 41 to 20, you're talking about you know, way better offensive score. performance. So that, but that goes back to what Brian Harson's been saying. This team is still beating itself sometimes a little bit. Um, and it's not a perfect team yet. So, um, they still got a little bit of that to figure out, but it did become a lot easier. And we'll finally get around to talking about Tank Bigsby. Um, we've kind of been waiting for a performance like this from him. 140 yards was a season high. He had an SEC high in yardage in the first quarter. 
believe he had like 91 yards or 81 yards so in the first quarter. 10 for 70 in the first quarter. And then right 70. after that, yeah. he had a, a few more carries. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so he was yeah. almost 100 and a half. Time. It was, I think, apparent. He might have gone for 16 yards or something on his first carry. And I think as soon as we saw him pick up the ball and, and do that on his first carry, everyone was kind of like, yep, all right, Tank's going to. Tank's going to have that kind of a game. And it's something we have been hearing about all week in practice that maybe this might be the game for Tank Bigsby. Um, and if they can get that side of things rolling, like we've been talking about, makes things a whole lot more difficult for a defense to game plan for. Yeah. And, and you know, Bo Nick said something really, I thought, insightful in, in post game. He said he got the touches. Um, I mean, you know, he had less than 10 carries against Georgia, uh, LSU, both nine carries against one, eight against, against the other. Like most running backs, he's a guy that the more he touches the ball, the better he gets. Got 10 carries in the first quarter. That's a big deal for a running back to because it's, again, football's a rhythm sport, um, you know, for lots of positions, and it definitely is for running back. Um, I mean, I think about, you know, in, in 2013, I think about Trey Mason. That guy, the, the more he carried the ball, the better he got, and the more the defense was like, hey, we're done with that guy. We don't want to hit him anymore. We haven't seen Tank have to be that guy, but Saturday night we saw it early that he he set the tone. Uh, you know, and, and I don't, you know, people have always asked us, was he injured? I don't think he's he hadn't been injured, but he's been hurt um, because that's what happens for a running back. You're going to be banged up. You're not going to be 100%. Saw him, to me, look more explosive Saturday night after having a bye week chance to recover a little bit. Um, and – now you can look and, and get get do some things with Jarquez Hunter now to to feed off of that. Uh, those guys were pretty close to I guess 50 50 in, in terms of the, the way they played Saturday night. Again, you're 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 taking away some tendencies by doing that and making teams have to defend the entire field and everything you do. But if this team's going to get to where they want to get to, and, and Tank's going to be a big part of it, you know, the rest of this season. And that was a good way to start, uh, you know, basically this second half against Ole Miss. Yeah, according to Pro Football Focus, it was right down the middle, 34 snaps for each of them. But that's the right way to use two running backs is the fact that Tank got 23 carries as opposed to Jarquez getting 12, but yet you split their care, yet you split their snaps whenever they're on the field. Um, so guys aren't getting gassed at the wrong time. Sean Shivers only had one carry but he was in for more than a few third down sets, I believe. Um, so, you know, like we've talked about on the show before, like he's got that niche now to him. Like he, that's the type of running back he's going to be um, in this offense. Jason, we'll get now a little bit into more of, we've covered a good bit of it into what Brian Harson said today. I thought, um, you know, he's, he's not one to hold back. He's very genuine in his assessment of his team. Um, a couple special teams elements today. Um, one of which he was very glowing about when he should have been and one of which he was very um, upset about, also should have been. We'll start, I guess, with the bad. Um, and that's that this return team for Auburn almost cost them in this game in a couple of spots. Um, obviously, Demetrius Robertson had the muffed the muffed punt that gave Ole Miss the ball right back after a three and out for Auburn. Two straight three and outs. That doesn't happen very much against Ole Miss. You get it, and then you give it right away. Um, luckily for Auburn, they got a fourth down stop because, of course, they did right after that. Um and then it was, I think it was three straight kickoff returns they got penalized for. And the first two were really good. One of them went across mm-hmm. midfield. Um, one of them went close to that. The third one, I think, was just kind of average. Um, but not going to be able to not going to be able to set up good offensive field position with those kinds of special teams plays. But then on the flip side, the guy we've been talking about, he's the 
he's our exit survey special every single Sunday, um, is Oscar Chapman quietly having a phenomenal season. Um, I think he averaged 56 yards per punt in this game. Uh, Auburn's now sixth in college football in net punting, which basically means the amount of yards minus the amount of return yards. There have been, it's most games this season, I think nobody's had any return yardage on Auburn. And it's just a silent weapon um, that's been able to really back opponents up. So kind of two different sides of the coin there for special teams on Auburn, a trend they'd like to see keep going, and then a trend they'd obviously like to see changed. Yeah, and I'll give you a third trend too. Uh, Had a missed field goal. Uh, You had two delay of games on kicks as well. Um, Those are things that have to be shored up. It, It just looked like they were discombobulate a little bit in the kicking game um, in those field goals and extra points. And um, that's something that, that we've seen a little bit of here or there. I don't think it's a huge deal right now, but it can creep into your mind uh, when you start talking about it. But, yeah, you know, we talked about field position. Um, when you get holding or blocking a back on every time you return a kickoff, sooner or later you start going, hey, look, let's just catch it and get it to 25 and, and we'll take our chances. And that's – that's not what you want to do, especially with Nehemiah Pritchett back there. Nehemiah Pritchett is proving to be a weapon as a kickoff return guy. Um, to me, he, um, you know, whether it's Jarquez Hunter, I'd, I'd really like to see Donovan Kaufman get another shot back there too. I think he's a guy that fits it. Uh, but they've got some guys that can do some damage returning kickoffs. Uh, just got to clean it up. Um, and, you know, Brian Harsh, you know, he was not real happy about those things. And then we've seen now – probably three or four punts on the ground this year in terms of punt return. Um, that cannot happen. The, the first order of business is catch the football and whether that's whoever, whether it's Jackson McFadden or whoever you got to put back there, the first thing you got to do is find somebody that's going to catch it. Um, after, you know, if they want to make something out of it after that, that's fine. Heck, it may be a situation where um, at times when you're not putting on a pump block, maybe you put a double safety back there where guys can – maybe sit under the ball a little bit instead of having to run so far to catch some. I mean, you know, field position is important. Uh, it's going to be vitally important against teams like Texas A&M and Alabama with those defenses they're going to face. Every yard matters. Uh, and, well, you can't you cannot afford to give up a a freebie uh, possession like Auburn did Saturday night. They got away with it then, but it's not going to happen too many times. Yeah, and that, it was just another example of the defense being put in a spot like that. And coming up with answers, you know, a lot, there was a lot made, you know, there was a funny SEC shorts video on it, which I thought was pretty great. Um, there was a lot made of what Lane Kiffin did wrong in this game, but at the same time, that's a difficult, I mean, if you're going to ask your defense to go out there on fourth down again and again and again, that's not easy for anybody. Um, so given the cir- circumstances, whether it was after the punt going for on fourth down, all that stuff, Auburn's defense was able to come up with plays at the right time. Yeah. The verbatim quote from Brian Harson today, um, <laughs> Talk, asked whether it was a good question. Us up in the press box were saying the same thing. Bill Cameron asked them today whether they had thought about just fair catching the ball because all their problems. We were at, we were talking about that during the game, but Harson said, "quote For whatever reason, Ole Miss was just kicking our butt, or we just sucked at some of the stuff we were doing flat out. You want to bring it out and you want to be aggressive and you want to give your guys a chance to return it. That's why you spend all the time in practice and do those things. But if we're going to keep making those mistakes, we'll just fair catch it. Don't block anybody and we'll fair catch it at the 25. We'd be better off, end quote. So, uh, yeah, obviously not very happy. But at the same time, all very good points by him. You spend all week long in practice setting up those kinds of things. And like you said, they've got dangerous return men. They've got guys who have been very athletic in that part of the game. And Auburn's been able to get free yards in that part of the game this season. they have. 
So for that not to work in your favor yeah. is obviously a little frustrating for Harden. Yeah, and it's something I was thinking about today um, when he's talking about watching more film, more video, and working on techniques. I think that's probably a reason why a lot of times in the past and still to this day, some coaches prefer not to have starters on special teams. You know, sometimes guys point. that are backups because they can afford to spend a little bit more time on those techniques and do those things. Maybe that um, I don't know if that has an issue with it or not because they're all you're still in defensive meetings, you're still doing those things. But um, I just thought about that today. Going, look, maybe somebody that is trying to earn a spot as a starter um, knows, hey, there's my opportunity to do that on special teams. Let me go show them I'm ready to go. Like I like Ladarius Tennyson. I was just about to say, yep, he's he player of the week, special teams player of the week out there busting it, those things sometimes translate to a guy getting more snaps on defense or offense. We'll see. I wouldn't be shocked to start seeing 13 show up a little bit more on defense with the way he's playing on special teams right now. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you give a few more of those guys, some of those young guys, at Tavares Dawson at wide receiver, some of those young guys a chance to go out there and say, hey, you want to earn a spot? Hey, maybe this is your spot for Elijah Canyon. Going, hey, look, you're a wide receiver, but you know what we want to do? Go cover a kick or block it, you know, or, or let's put you on punt return. Let's let's see if we can get you some some competitive fire going and, and see what happens. You know, I think it could be interesting to see. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Yeah, I was thinking about that exact same thing. Tennyson, I, it was a kickoff, right? Not a punt. He brought somebody down like yes, he was a kickoff. Yeah, he he kickoff and he he um, you know he made a really good open field tackle um, about his 17, 18 yard line or whatever, and um, it was a you know again you you never know because. Uh, Ole Miss has some dangerous return guys of their own. That you make you miss that one tackle, and the guy could be uh could be at the 40, 50 yard line, and it changes the momentum of the game. Yeah. So looking here, Tennyson played three snaps um, at safety behind by Darius Knighton. So be interesting to see what he does moving forward. Um, it, it was especially now because we we don't know um, Zion Puckett's status. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. It potentially could be a guy now that you move into to that role. Uh, Tennyson is a really physical player, physical at the line of scrimmage. This may be a good opportunity for, against a team like Texas A&M to have him involve some back in that old nickel role um, that we've seen him in in the past. Uh, especially, you know, Zion Puckett goes off at toward the end of that game, holding his arm, shoulder, or whatever it was. Um, you know, you know, you know. Brian Harson said on Monday, get an update on him sometime this week. But uh, I, update. I think – Yes, update, meaning they'll get one we probably won't. But it's fine. Uh, I think uh, Tennyson is a guy that may be in line to uh, to see a little bit more playing time. I thought about this this morning, Jason, um, when people were talking about Puckett, because honestly, that was kind of the crazier part of the game where things that second half was just weird. And so that's one of the things that kind of fell under the right. He, it was a co- collision with a teammate. 
It was him and Smoke Smoke Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch a ball over the middle and Smoke kind of puck it was coming from one side, went low and kind of hit Smoke coming across the other side, I think into his thigh. And uh, like he jammed his shoulder up or something. It was hard to tell from where I was. uh, Yeah, it was was the crazy part of the game where I would say in a matter of about 15 snaps of the football – there were probably seven times that a player was down on the field, a couple of times for Auburn and about five for Ole Miss um, there in a span of about mm, ten or so plays. Yeah, it, that's the other thing. You know, offense is – we talk about getting into a rhythm. There was no rhythm at all in the second half of that game because mm. so many times, whether it was Matt Corral getting that hurt or early on and coming back um, – and then, you know, the second half, so many guys going down and, and stopping play, had a couple of reviews. I mean, like all those things, you know, we're sitting there. I think there was one time when Auburn was down there right before they kick a field goal, that field goal in the second half. I think there was – it was over five minutes of actual time between plays for Auburn because it started with um, started with an injury and then it had kind of a review situation or they had to respot the ball, whatever it was. But that that's a killer when you're standing around for five six minutes with, between uh, you know run plays on offense. Yeah, it's an epidemic right now, the, the faking the injuries. At the same time, I'm not sure if I'm a coach that I wouldn't do it. I mean, they're, if they're not going to do anything about if I'm it, playing, if I'm playing Ole Miss right now, right. Um, if I'm Liberty this weekend, uh, I'm going to say every time uh, third or fourth play, every time they get a first down and they're going really fast, somebody's going to get hurt um, until. So they make you stop um, until the ref penalizes you. Like, why would you not? And and there's no way around. It's I'm, I do think it's something for a, another podcast another day. But there's there's some things right now that need to be tweaked in terms of college football. And that's one of them. I think this this year there's been a lot of rule book stuff this year officiating across the country that have made people kind of kind of yeah that that one's kind of jumped that one's kind of jumped up now it was targeting mm-hmm. early in the year it was a Kobe McLean and, and yeah. talking about how you know the penal it is in terms of you know kicking a guy out of a game yeah there's 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 some things and obviously we've had the overtime rule here lately there's three or four hot button issues that definitely have to be addressed in college football something I was thinking about this morning um that maybe I'm just not remembering the past two seasons very well but Auburn is really healthy right now heading into November, like really, really healthy. I can't think of any pucket, and that's a new one. They got Owen Papo back. TD Moultrie was not a health issue, um, but they still were without him. Austin Troxel, fine. Like he, he's, he's in there. And he played a good game um, against Ole Miss. Um, this is the healthiest Auburn's been heading into the big part of November in a, in a while. Right, they haven't had a season like this where they've had pretty much all hands on. I maybe I'm completely blanking. I can't think of an important injury right now for this team. Yeah, you know, it's it, it happens probably every two or three years, um, maybe four years. You'll get a season where you you kind of miss those. I think back to like 1993 for Auburn. It wasn't a deep football team, but they made it through almost the entire season unscathed until Stan White got hurt against Alabama in the Iron Bowl the last game. Um, but yeah, you look and. You lose Jeremiah right before the year, um, mm. and, and you've had some some minor issue things where it was Zacchaeus Walker that got banged up. Uh, there were a couple of guys early on in camp that missed some time, and it cost them probably maybe a chance to play. But as far as you know, the really serious uh, injuries for this team, no, they they've avoided those to this point. Uh, 
and you know, hey, it needs to keep up um, because this this team has some depth in spots, but they don't have a ton of a ton of depth at some key positions, and that's where you got to stay really healthy. And so, uh, it's something to watch for. Um, you know, when you look at a team like Ole Miss, uh, they've been decimated here lately because of lack of depth. And then you look at the schedule, and, and Auburn was able, was made to withstand it a little bit more. But you know, you look at Ole Miss when you go play Alabama. Tennessee, Arkansas. Um, I can't remember who the other one was, but and then play LSU and Auburn in, in a span of five weeks. That'll that'll take a toll on on the body for sure. Yeah, I didn't realize this until today. Um, this goes to show my lack of research, I guess. Pearson, the receiver for Ole Miss, had seven catches for a buck thirty-four. He's a walk-on. I don't know how I didn't know that. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah, the, the little little number zero. Was yeah, him. yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's I mean, a good-looking you know, walk-on. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look and and it shows you to the the ability of Lane Kiffin to to kind of manufacture things. He's a guy that can manufacture some offense, and uh, for the most of that game, they were without their top three wide receivers. Um, they're still pretty good, and they still ran the ball well. That's the thing, you know. People say, well, if we had this, well, they still moved it inside the the twenty and consistently did that, put themselves in a position they just didn't finish it off, and so. Um, but that's part of the game. Part of the game is being able to have guys prepared and ready to go. And, um, you know, when, when you lose a guy like that, I mean, for Auburn, look, you know, you lose Owen Poe, you had Chandler Wooten ready to go. Um, you know, that's part of it. Um, but you know, yeah, this is a old Miss team that's pretty beat up and now you, you turn around and you got to play Liberty and Malik Willis, a team that makes it score some points and, Hugh Freeze coming back to town this weekend. Uh, be an interesting Saturday in Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah, no lack of motivation from the Liberty side for that game. I think it's the simplicity. I think it's two things. I think it's a new coach that I'd never covered before, kind of bringing a different perspective um, as opposed to the same stuff I've been hearing for years. And also the simplicity that Brian Harson kind of approaches the game with and talks about the game. It's just very fundamental, um, very black and white. I think has made me realize some of the easy things that go on in football that sometimes cause you to win or lose because he's talked about like his pillars of success. Sometimes he's like, and we're healthy. I mean, it's just like, it's just a fact of the game. Sometimes you can scheme, you can recruit, you can do all this stuff, but sometimes you're just not healthy at the right times and you'll lose games. And you have nothing you can do about it. Yeah, and um, it's, and it's key guys, right? Yeah. You know, the key guys stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, you can you start breaking those things down, and it's almost that there's a couple things in every year that you go into going here. Here's your given: can you stay healthy, and do you avoid do you, you avoid a bunch of turnovers? Those are the two things that will destroy you in in a heartbeat. For the most part, Auburn done that. Turned it over a couple of times Saturday night. It did not bite them then, but you know when you're on the road and you turn it over a couple of times, that that's usually a different story. Jason, we'll close out. Um... Thought this has been a really fun conversation. We'll close out here talking about a few guys that Brian Harson was asked about today. Um, and it's three guys that are emerging on the defense right now. I say emerging. They've already, they were already really good. Um, three guys that all three now have a very high likelihood. Oh, two of them are seniors. One of them is a redshirt sophomore who might not be here next season if he keeps playing like this. Um, the level at which Zacoby McClain, Roger McCreary, and Colby Wooden are playing at right now um is really just making this defense go colby wouldn't you look at all the metrics for him in terms of what he brings from a pass rush pass rushing perspective 
Um, one of the best pass rushing interior defensive linemen. I don't know if you saw the, the, the tweet by PFF that the top five graded front seven players from this week in the SEC, it was number one, a Georgia player, number two, Colby Wooden, Georgia player, Georgia player, Georgia player. Um, Roger McCreary right now, if we're going to keep talking about PFF, is the third highest graded corner in the entire country. Um, and then Zacoby McClain, not sure you can put that guy in a box in terms of numbers and stuff oh, like that. You yeah. just got to watch him play. Um, 14 tackles, two sacks. Those three guys are are the heart and soul of this defense. Maybe Zacoby McClain more than anybody because this was just a masterclass for him in terms of the type of play style he had. All three of those guys, really, this was the kind of game that they like to play the most. But Zacoby McClain, just to have that kind of a guy linebacker there in the middle of the defense. Um, and he doesn't come off the field. He played 83 snaps. I think, I think he played all but two snaps on defense, even with that depth at linebacker. Um, just some special players Auburn's got on defense right now, and they're going to be key if they want to make a run um, to try to win the West. Yeah, well, what's fun, too, is to 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 think back to those guys when they were prospects. I think about it as Kobe McLean and seeing him in a 707 in Hoover, um, Valdosta High School, and the coach telling me, look, this guy's just a winner. Um, you know, helped him win a state championship as a junior. Um, and you look at him now and you see that. You see everything in his fiber is a misquote postgame Saturday going, hey, just I told him, let's let's go. We're not going to lose. Um, and you, you kind of put the team on his shoulders there for a while defensively. He's done that for much of the year. Roger McCreary is a guy that was a camp guy, came to Auburn, performed well, and it, it took a while for him to, to kind of get an Auburn offer. He was going to Southern Miss. Um, and, you know, talked to folks down there. Antonio Coleman was one of them. I coached him in high school and said, look, just telling me this guy's an SEC guy. And he wasn't wrong. Um, Roger, you know, play quarterback, wide receiver, all of these things, but it was the competitor in him. And then I think about watching Colby Wooden. Um, I saw Colby Wooden and Owen Popo against each other. Um, they were rivals. They're just about best friends right now still. And Colby was a guy that you could just see he understood the game, understood the game, and he was about 235. What you didn't think that you'd see was a guy that was going to be 275 or 280 that is wearing out interior offensive linemen. That shows you how strong athletic he is. He's not 305 pounds. He's a guy that normally most people would be playing at defensive end. He plays out there. That's what he does, though. It's his ability to play multiple positions, move around. Him and Marcus Harris are are huge – for this team, what those guys do. It's a different defense when they're on the field as opposed to anybody else. Um, they bring such a different factor to the middle because of their quickness. And you look in the NFL, I kind of liken it to almost Aaron Donald. The game has changed so much that now, you know, you need some big guys, but if you got guys that can get upfield, penetrate, make plays, use that quick, the linemen have gotten bigger. So, you're not going to get bigger than the offensive line for the most part, unless you're Jordan Davis. So what do you do? You counter that with being quicker. I saw it last Friday night with Powell Gordon against uh, you know, Tyler Booker, you know, big time offensive tackle commitment for Alabama. Powell Gordon about 215, 220 pounds, couldn't block him. That's those. That's the way the game's played now, and Kobe Wooden shows that in the middle of the defense. And yeah, those three guys have been huge. Yeah, I think you talked about the beginning of last season before we knew the kind of transformation that Colby made with his body and with his game to be able to play, like you said, an interior spot. 
um, talking about the possibility of him maybe going to the NFL after his redshirt sophomore season. Of course, he could come back. And if he, I mean, if he did come back, um, which I mean, I don't, I don't know what his stock is right now. I haven't, yeah. I don't think many people are paying attention to him right now, just because he's such a young player. Um, but he could be a guy that next year, if he comes back, you'd be talking about him in the preseason is probably one of the top five players in the SEC on on defense. Yeah, absolutely, and, and you know, you look and you go, there's something that's working in Auburn's favor. His younger brother Caleb Wooden is committed. Um, he it may be one of those situations where, hey, let's play one year together. Um, still got time. Um, if that happens and you, you have a Marcus Harris back, you know, you have a, a Derek Hall back and EQ Leota has another year, all of a sudden you start to look at this thing going, you know, you'll have some things to replace at linebacker, some things to replace in the secondary, but you could roll some some impressive guys up front on this defensive line. Yeah, that's your uh, strength all of a sudden of your absolutely. team. Absolutely, and that's what – if you if – you, it's like Georgia's defense. If you can start there – then everything else falls into place if you got those guys up front. And and right now, the Auburn's getting a little bit better by a little bit better week by week. We've seen more and more pressure out of those guys without having to blitz a ton. Um, and that's going to be huge uh, down the stretch. Really good stuff, Jason. We'll get another opportunity to see all these guys that we just talked about, all these guys who were playmakers for Auburn on Saturday. Um, they get another big stage Right now, they're an underdog. Well, they're going to continually be an underdog, which is not surprising because Ole Miss was just an underdog um, to Auburn in a very similar game. They traveled to Texas A&M this weekend, 2.30 Central Time on CBS. Another huge game for the division race, which looks to be pretty dang exciting. Mississippi State beat Kentucky on Saturday. Um, That game just got announced today as an 11 a.m. as we're recording this on Monday. That's not going to be an easy game when they come to Jordan-Hare. South Carolina will probably be an easy game. And then you got the Iron Bowl after that. So... Really, really fun final third of the season coming up. We will, of course, have the have the roundtable. Me and Jason will be joined by Mark Murphy later on in the week to get more in-depth breaking down the Texas A&M game. Um, I say more in-depth. We didn't even talk about it today, but so we'll get into the matchups and break it down there today and give our predictions for that game later on in the week. So we appreciate you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. If you guys like the show and enjoy it, please go to the show on your favorite uh, Spotify and Google, Apple, whatever, wherever you guys listen to podcasts, your, your, your podcast vessel of choice and leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can find him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. And until the next episode of the podcast later this week, you guys have a great rest of the week. We'll talk to y'all later.